Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. And today we are talking with Colin C. Thompson, who is the founder of Oli Guy Life Coaching. And Colin is a Jedi master of mental fitness. Colin, welcome to The Good Mood Show. So is your mind your best friend or your worst enemy? We're going to talk about that this evening, this morning, and go deeper into whether or not your mind is serving you or your mind is actually harming you. Man, uh, I really want my mind to be serving me. Is that something that's Yeah, po- we all do. Is that something that's possible? Easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> no, and, and I would say that our number one enemy is our mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. So think about how powerful you can be if you're able to control your mind and, and maintain a high level of mental fitness. Jedi powerful, right? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, and Colin has a free gift for you. It is the five steps of building up mental fitness. And uh, if you want a copy of that uh, after this show, just go to goodmoodshow.com and enter your email and we'll, we'll send you Colin's five steps to mental fitness. If you love the Good Mood Show, make sure you're a subscriber so you get this every week. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Colin Thompson. He's asking you to think about a situation, an event, or a person who may have triggered you and left you in a negative and maybe a destructive mindset. You know, sometimes we feel helpless like that. You know, he's also felt that way. I have certainly felt that way. And fortunately, after building up mental fitness, Colin was able to avoid negative emotions and avoid the feeling of helplessness. He's a certified positive intelligence coach. And through sharing his own experiences today, you're going to gain new insights on your own mental fitness. By the end of today's episode, you're not only going to know about his journey, but you'll also pick up tools to improve your mental fitness, improve your relationships, increase your peace of mind, and your well-being. And you're going to be able to maintain a positive mindset regardless of what is happening in the world around you. All of us can learn this. Is that right, Colin? <laughs> Let me say, maybe not regardless of what's happening around you, but in a lot of cases, things that trigger you now will no longer trigger you. That's great. That's great. You know, and, and I know that all of us get triggered. You do. I certainly get triggered. I got triggered this morning. But uh, I got triggered this weekend, man. That's two triggers in the last two days. But, um, you know, how did you get on this path? What was going on with you that had you start to study mental fitness? Um, Well, two things. And sometimes timing is perfect. My wife was continuing to, to very politely and with patience tell me that the way my son and I interacted each and every evening had to change. Because maybe some long-term effects on my son, you can see those later. But I was definitely coming out of my son's bedroom very, very upset. And when you're upset, it's not the best time to talk to your spouse sometimes. So I knew that I had to change my behavior. And at the same time, a coaching colleague of mine had just learned about this thing called positive intelligence and mental fitness. And he signed me up for the six-week program. And I went through the program 
and said, okay, let me try to apply this to <laughs> the, the situation. I laugh now, but trust me, back a couple of years ago, it was not a laughing situation. So that's where I would first try to improve myself because it was impacting my relationship with my son and my wife. Not so much my wife negatively, but she was seeing the future. And the future wasn't looking good between how I was acting in that situation. So I knew I had to really take actions to improve that interaction with my son. Yeah. How old was your son? At the time, my son was two years old. And Matt, let me say this. You have four kids. So you know this. I don't know what happens to that precious little baby, six, six months old, a year, year and a half. Precious, cute. Everything was cute. Once they hit two, those little buggers change. <laughs> and it was right when my son changed to be those terrible twos that we sort of hit that wall together. Um, so it was, he was definitely in that terrible two period. And I did not know how to handle that. It was my first child. So initially I didn't handle it well. Oh yeah. That, it, it, you know, and that's, that's kind of the crux of, of my whole life philosophy is not just my children, not just my wife, but man, can I just surround everyone I interact with, with love? Because sometimes I'm dealing with an adult and they're acting like a child of mine in the terrible twos. And they're kicking and screaming and throwing a fit and calling names and crying. And, uh, and it, you know, I, I've, I always kind of hang on to this one thought that every single communication is either a cry for love or a loving gesture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when someone's crying out, they're just crying out for love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know what somebody's going through. But it's easier said than done when, uh, so when I get triggered and I do, when I get triggered and I got this, one of my children is just like pushing my buttons. I can lose it. Like I can, I can get angry. I could shut down. I could go cold. I could like turn my back or I could even raise my voice. You know, I've certainly yelled at my kids. So, you know, I, I know it, it kind of sounded like that's the path that you were heading down with your son when he was two. Yeah. So I was, I wasn't hanging down that path. I was, I made that path. Okay. So we were, we were full blown and I'll tell you what it was every night. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Now my wife calls this a world war three routine every single night, about two years, not even two years ago. Um, it was my responsibility to take him from the, from the shower, from the bath into the bedroom, get him dressed and then assist him in going to sleep. The reason why I'm doing it is because my wife is in another bedroom where at the time our new baby. So she had to be over there, which, which meant that I had to stay there the entire, what, hour to two hours that he would fall asleep. So this would start at 7 p.m. And it seemed that as he slowly got tired over 90 minutes, two hours, he's getting tired. I'm just getting more and more frustrated, enraged, enraged, enraged. And the problem was I, I, I wasn't seeing things the right way. I was so upset, I got blinded. It's like people getting mad in a moment and can't see straight. They just get hot with rage. I wasn't hot with rage, but I wasn't able to have any empathy and able to see anything from his perspective or even in a the father perspective. Because my thoughts was, one, it's bedtime. Two, he's in bed. Three, he should be falling asleep. I should say, close your eyes and you fall asleep. I learned very quickly, it doesn't work like that. To him, Bedtime means game time. And <laughs> as you can probably guess, the the, la the more games he was playing, jumping around, the anger I was getting. And I learned very early that yelling at a baby, yelling, yelling at a toddler to go to sleep, 
does not work. Uh-huh. Does not work. So every night I would leave that room very frustrated, amped up, amped up. He would he would be he wouldn't be nervous or scared, but he you could tell that he was he didn't understand what's going on. Right. He didn't, he thought things were trying to be fun, yada, yada, yada. But luckily, he wasn't scared. My wife, however, said, Colin, if you keep this up, he's going to start really, really getting scared. Okay. And we don't want, we don't, we don't want that to happen. So I really had to change behavior because I would come out there in a very poor mental fitness. And after that, I was amped up for the next two hours. So I wasn't able to be a good husband to my wife at that time. I wasn't able to really do any work. I was just really amped up and frustrated and then dreading, absolutely dreading the next evening's bedtime. Mm. So I had to change. Yeah. You know, anytime I think we get lost in anger, we're our worst self. We're not going to do anything well at that point. And I I agree with you. Sometimes it can take a couple hours to like calm ourselves down. Sometimes, Sometimes we're angry for a week. Absolutely. I know there's some people that live in anger for a couple of years. Or a decade. It depends on the size of the issue, right? The bigger the issue is personally, emotionally, the longer longer it stays with you. And uh, and so like mental fitness then is our key to like actually doing good in the world. We could be an amazing parent or an amazing spouse or amazing at our work if we can feel like really open hearted and good in our interactions. So how, how did you start to turn this? Well, let me first define, I've learned that not everybody knows what mental fitness is. So let me take a moment to define mental fitness. So Matt, if I want, I'm going to ask you, define physical fitness. Physical fitness is energy, vitality in my body, the ability to do with my body what I want to be able to do. It responds in the way that I ask it to. Right. And how do you build up your physical fitness? I, I build it up by the foods that I eat. And the hydration I bring in and the ways that I go to the gym and, and work it out. Exactly. Exactly. Mental fitness is the exact same thing, but instead of the muscles in your body, it's the muscles in your head. It's your brain. And it's built up the same exact way. If you're in poor, if you're in poor, well, if you're in great physical fitness, you can go out and maybe run five miles. Wouldn't really hurt you. Maybe breathing a little hard, but you can get through five miles and feel positive, feel accomplished. But if you're in poor physical fitness, that same five miles <laughs> will not be the same experience. If you're in poor physical fitness, after that first mile, okay, legs getting heavy, legs getting a little heavy. Okay, second miles, <sighs> chest getting heavy, chest getting heavy, and mile three, four, and five may not even happen because you haven't built up. And if you're in poor physical fitness, to do five miles. Like you said, food, nutrition, going to the gym and get on on a treadmill. But day one on the treadmill, you're not going to run five miles. You're going to run half a mile. And you're slowly going to build up, build up, build up over time. And the way we build up our mental fitness, this is what's so beautiful about it. It's the same approach. You build up your mental fitness by dealing with issues in your life, small issues, and then larger, 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 larger over time. We tell people, if you get really upset when... Your coworker um, um, butts into when you're, t- you're cussing when you're talking and finishes the sentences. Well, don't start there. Okay, start with something much much smaller. Which is what what I, what I do. It's a much much smaller that you can manage. And once you can manage that small one, go a little bigger, a little bigger, a little bigger. Then you build up, you build up uh, um, muscles, and you build up the momentum. And eventually, eventually, it, it will take time. Eventually, that same coworker who is just getting upset every day. 
it would not even impact you one bit. And soon you'll forget they even got you upset. So it's built up over time. And once you're able to start building momentum, it's beautiful because you see results almost instantly. I love this definition because, of course, the thing that's bugging us the most is the one we want to tackle. But that's kind of like using this physical fitness analogy saying, all right, I want to run a a marathon. I'm going to do it tomorrow. And we've done no training. And then we try to run 26 miles and in one day and we fail miserably and say, well, I guess I'm no good at physical fitness because I couldn't run the marathon. Mm -hmm. And the same way you're saying, hey, the giant relationship challenge that we have, maybe it's with a parent or maybe it's with a spouse or maybe it's with a a two-year-old child. Man, that that might be your marathon right now. Like maybe we need, maybe we need to train. Maybe we need to start training and doing and and taking some small steps. Maybe we got to get that first half mile done, and then next week go three quarters of a mile. And the next right. week we're going to go a full mile, and we're going to keep building up. I did uh, train for a marathon. I I didn't complete the marathon. I, I completed a half marathon, but in the training, my yeah, I got to where my um, small days were five miles. Okay. Okay. And my long days were 10 or 11 miles. And I never thought that I was going to work up to my short day being a five mile day. And like, it was just a breeze because I built up, I built up to the point where five miles was no big deal because I was on this six month long training regimen. Uh, that's such a cool analogy for building up mental fitness. So how, how did you start? Where, where does the listener start? Where do I start to build this mental fitness? Well, well, let me let me tell you how I started. Um, I, I told you the why and why I needed to start. And the first thing I, I did was I said, okay, I recognize the need to change because my household, my father was very, how would I say, energetic with his mouth and his and his hands. So it was very physical. I think my, my father was abusive physically, mentally, emotionally, the whole gambit. And growing up in an environment, two things can happen. As a child growing up in an environment, when you're an adult, you either copy that behavior or you go opposite. So I knew for a fact I did not want to copy that behavior. And because of my wife and her personality, I got I I haven't I don't yell anymore. Because <laughs> she just doesn't go doesn't go for it. She just, you know, she doesn't go for it at all. Not in a negative way. She's not her nature. So I can't do it, which is wonderful. Because that helped me to say, okay, the only thing I'm worried about now is yelling at my children. So I knew I had to I had to change. And the first thing I said, let me try to change and handle this marathon. Let Tomorrow, no matter what Quincy does, my son, what Quincy does, I'm going to not get mad. I failed miserably <laughs> because I wasn't ready yet. It, it, I, it, I wasn't ready yet. And I felt even worse because I said, man, you're really trying, Colin, but you can't do it. And for four days, fail, 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 fail. But what I learned going through mental fitness course was don't start too big. So I said, let me start with a pet peeve. We all have pet peeves, right? And pet peeves are things that get us upset, maybe just for a few minutes, a few hours, not too, too long. But it happens frequently, happens frequently. So in my house, and for most, most people, most women, for example, men leaving the toilet seat up is a pet peeve, okay? For most people. In my household, though, it's different. My wife had a pet peeve that my fault was I keep leaving a wet towel on the bed and she would get she would get very, very upset. She would make sure she. I heard her complaining about the towel on the bed. For me, it was her leaving the microwave door open. The microwave door opened, the lights on. And I'm like, 
wasting power. Why can't she just close the door? And I would get livid mad. I would slam the door to make sure wherever she was in the home, she heard it. And I'd say, why can't you just close the effing door? Bow, right? Yeah. And so, so that was our thing. So I said, let me start here. Something I can manage. And what I had to do, and this really helped me manage my son's situation, what I had to do is first say, let me think about what I'm doing. When I leave a wet towel on the bed, I'm not doing it on purpose. Sometimes, sometimes yes, but mostly I'm not doing it <laughs> on like, purpose. Man, right? Hey, that that door was open, and I'm gonna leave this <laughs> towel here. You see how it feels, <laughs> or, or or something else. My my, my didn't, didn't taste good. Whatever, right? Oh man, no. But but <laughs> I I like I like where you're going because it you know you you're not consciously trying to upset your wife. So it's not this conscious thing that you're trying to leave the towel there just to get her upset. If you were conscious to it, you probably would have hung it up. Right, right. So exactly. I took myself back to my actions. I come out the shower, um, drive in, in the bedroom, drop my towel in the bed, put my clothes on, walk out. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. Walk out. Walk out. Right. So I said And she's got a child maybe, on her she's got a child on her hip and she's <laughs> she's pulling something out of the microwave and she's setting them down in the high chair and getting them started so they stop screaming at her. And then she's turning around, she's got something on the stove, and she the whole while she didn't shut the microwave door. It's not because she didn't want to, it was because she had all this stuff going on, right? Well, well, Matt, let me, that's, that, that was what she said. Okay. <laughs> that, was what she said. that was what she said. And my thing was, look, once you can use your elbow, um, baby down, whatever, right. But whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, she said something like that. My hands are busy or whatever. I said, okay. Okay. So I said, you know what? I really got to address that and think about the process. And I said, let me have some empathy and maybe perhaps it's the same thing with her. She's not doing it to get me upset. She's doing it for some other reason. Now I said, Colin, don't worry about the reason, right? Don't try to find the reason. Just, just, just assume that she's not doing it on purpose. Just assume that, right? And what that did, that got me to go to, that got me to stop getting upset about it. So what I then did was I said, okay, when I turn the corner and go in the kitchen, if that microwave door is open, I'm going to walk over there. I'm going to quietly close it, not even let her know she left it open. So I did that a few days, a few days, a few days, and got into the routine. So so three things happened there, right? The first one is recognizing when you're being triggered. When heat is building up, you have to be able to intercept your saboteur. When heat's building up, you got to be able to say, okay, I feel myself getting upset. Let me not get upset, right? Let me figure out how can I better manage the situation such that nobody gets triggered. And for me, that was saying, this is a great opportunity for me to no longer let this upset me. Opportunity. So I said, okay, now that I determined to not let this upset me, what can I do? Well, the only door open, go over there, close it, and keep it moving. And I did that. I'll tell you one thing, Matt. After about a month, the, the door stopped. <laughs> she stopped leaving the door open. And I, and I also, I, I never leave my child in bed anymore. So my changed behavior Maybe subconsciously change her behavior as well. So I think that's a great three step three steps on how I was able to turn turn around, and your audience can do the same three steps. And I'll go more into that later. But the three step turnaround not easy to do, which is why you start at a small pet peeve. So what I did, I did that one, then a bigger one, then a big one, a bigger one, and then months later, I addressed my son a situation the nighttime bedtime, and now literally even before the session today. I spend about 35 minutes with my son in bed, reading books, telling stories about Lightning McQueen. We love it. 
he fell asleep. And now this is literally our most favorite time of the evening. So it's a massive turnaround. And I'm able to apply those three steps to almost anything I'm doing, right? So any, anyway, it's it's not easy to do. But once you start building momentum, it's very powerful. Wow. You went from like possibly a lifelong damaged relationship to because of the bedtime and your frustration right, right. with it and your marathon against it to now it is the favorite connection time with you and your child. Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. And I'll tell you the key really quick. The key again is that E word, empathy. Because I said, let me just look at what he's doing. And I said, so he'll get in the bedroom and I'll just watch him. And I said, by, by gum, I know what he's doing. He's doing what two-year-olds do at bedtime. He's just being an actual two-year-old. He's not doing it against me to make me mad. And I said, let me just watch what he does. And everything that he was doing, which bothered me, now became so cute. And once I was able to have the empathy and say, just enjoy the moment, empathy for myself, I'm talking about, because I was getting upset. I was, he was just, he was, he was fine, but I was building myself down, hurting myself. So I have empathy for myself, say, Colin, I love you too much for you to go through it every night. And watching him, it became cute again. And, and things really improved after, after that. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we could get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. So you had said before we started the show that there's another question we can ask when we're saying, okay, uh, am I, my mind's about to control me, but do I want to control it? And you said, ask yourself, what's the opportunity right now? Yeah, yeah. What are the opportunity or the gift? And I'll tell you what I mean by that is I have a a good friend, sort of business partner, and he is very good at pushing buttons. Okay. So I know if we have a call, he's gonna do everything he can to push buttons. Not it's just my button. He's a button pusher. Okay. So it's not personal. It's just who he is. So I've accepted that of him, right? It's just who he is. So when he when he does it and I feel myself getting, getting triggered, that's that moment, right? That's the moment where you can either respond to it or take a different action. So what I look at it, I try to gamify it. Okay. I say on the call today, I am not, I'm going to build up my muscles today. I'm going to the gym today. And the weights I'm lifting is dealing with him. So no matter what he says, I will not be triggered. So to me, as I go through life and different scenarios, situations, I gamify it. This guy wants to beat me up. Nah, he can't beat me up. He can't make me act a certain way. And now when I go in there thinking about how to win, it's much easier because I know it's going to happen. And that split second between what he does and says and my response, I say, huh, good try. Good try, <laughs> good try, good try, good try. And he, I, can, I can see in his eyes, he's shocked, right? Because I'm not faking it. Like I'm, I'm really not getting bothered by it. Again, what is the gift here? The gift here is for me to be able to build up my mental fitness and my ability to move on from him to a bigger issue. So I'm always trying to be able to handle more, handle more, handle more, but you can't handle more until you can handle what's in front of you. So to me, I try to gamify it and say, this person does not have the power to get me upset. And it works because you can carry that, that same example over to other things. And you get used to doing that and saying, okay, no matter what happens, 
on a subway, who, who's walking on an escalator, who's standing on an escalator. No matter what I see, I will not get upset. And it works. So it's, it's about that repetition and building up those muscles over time. So, so we have to notice we're getting triggered. And then we have to take yes. this space, the pause to say, all right, I'm going to pause before I react because I've got choices right now. I'm tr- I can feel the trigger. I can feel the heat rising up in my chest, rising into my neck. I can feel my face getting flush with anger. And I can feel that, uh, I can feel that energy coming in to get angry and use anger as force to get them to go up the stairs. And, um, you know, this is the fight or flight response. So, so, so there's, there are two, two choices that are not helpful in that moment between stimulus and response. One is fight, not helpful. We've already talked about that. Yelling at a two-year-old, uh, is not, is not going to be enjoyable for them. Not going to be enjoyable for me. Not going to be enjoyable for my wife. Uh, yelling at my business partner when they're pushing my buttons, not going to be good for any, anything. Uh, the other one though is flight. And so sometimes we think we're taking the higher action by flight by saying, okay, I'll just turn my back to this situation. I'll just put myself to bed and then they can go deal with themselves. And that's not a powerful response either. It's another response. So sometimes we think non-participation, I'll just withdraw myself. And that's a powerful response. It's not, that's flight. And, um, so if I'm like getting uh, upset with my wife and I'm like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to speak harshly, but I'll just not speak. Well, man, that's a, that's a form of attack. Right. And so, uh, I'm just saying this because this was a big awakening for me too, is that that's not, you know, yes, I'm not yelling. Yes. I'm not harming outwardly, but I'm harm, harming with withdrawal. So the, the actual response that's positive is participation. Absolutely. And what you described there, we call the avoider. That's one of the main saboteurs we have in our, in our minds. And the avoider says, you know what? I'm not going to say or do something because I want them to remain happy or I don't want to make people upset. So let me just avoid the situation, walk away, uh, hold my tongue, whatever. It doesn't work long term. Mm-mm. It does not work long term, as you're hinting to. So yeah, we have a term for that. It's called the avoider, who thinks they're doing good, right? They, you know what? I could tell this guy how I feel, but I'm I'm above that. I'm a better person. I will not do it. But yeah, you need to lean into it. You need, you need to find a way to share how you feel in a positive way, or at least a non-negative way. <laughs> Maybe not positive, but a non-negative way. So avoiding, turning your back, walking away, being giving somebody silent treatment, that's only going to come back later. And you still have to deal with all that pent-up resentment, perhaps anger, frustration. It does come back. So yeah, I agree with you. You must address it in a non-negative way. So I, I did this well last night. Because I've been in, I've, I've been really working on the things that we're talking about. And uh, I could, you know, they're not moving. I could feel it coming on. I'm like, okay, I can get cold and just say, all right, you guys put yourself to bed. Uh, I can get angry and shout at them. Um, or I could participate. And so a participation is that I'm going to participate in the way that they are, that, that would light them up. And so this morning they were doing something kind of crazy too. I was telling you about this, uh, but last night I went over and I, I tickled one of them. It was Kelly. I just went over and I said, man, if you're not going to move, I'm going to tickle, 
torture you to move. And she starts laughing and then she's kind of like rolling off the couch laughing. And, uh, and I'm like, and then I smack her on the booty in a playful way. And I'm like up to bed. And then I, I go to chase the other two and all three of them, I'm chasing them up the stairs. Okay. Okay. And that was a participation, right? Well, man, you know what happened? They felt good. I felt good. I didn't have to resort to the anger or the withdrawal. And we, you know, Harper ends up making a, a turn, right? And goes into the bedroom and I'm like, okay, well, at least I got two of the three of them. <laughs> and we'd already taken the baby, we'd already taken the baby up, but I got two of the three of them. And then, uh, and then I lost one of them, but I got one of them in bed. <laughs> this is true. This is a true story, man. So I get Kelly in bed. Cameron's just disappeared. Uh, so I go into her room and like turn the sound machine on and I'm like, man, I don't know where she is. Harper's downstairs with her mom doing something. But, um, you know, like I ended the night feeling really good. You know, I, uh, I had overcome the sabotaging tendency. Right. Right. Now this morning I'm taking them to school, two of them, my, my, my nine-year-old, my seven-year-old. And I, I just wanted to connect. I wanted to, I hadn't spoken. I was preparing for this, uh, conversation we were having. And, um, you know, I, I said, Hey, Katie, can you like get the kids ready for breakfast? I, I really want to be prepared to talk with Colin today and honor him. And she said, yeah, of course. And I said, but I'll take, the, I'll take the two older ones to school and then head on into the office and, and finish getting ready. And so I hadn't really had a chance to see him. You know, I'd given them a hug when they woke up, but I, I really wanted to, you know, to, to connect. And they get in the car and they made up a language. And, and they were saying, Ishka, after every word. So they're like, Aishka, Lovshka, Yushka. And I'm like, and I'm like, oh man. And they're just talking back and forth. Ishka, kaka, chukcha, kaka. And like, it's just, and I could just feel my agitation rising. So I ask them a question. I'm like, okay, hey, um, what are you looking for today at school? And they're like, Dujka. And I'm like, oh my God. And I'm like, and I could feel, you know, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm not going to yell is that's not a good response right now. I know. I'll just do the silent thing. I'm like, no, no, that's the avoider, man. That's going to be just as bad. That's going to like close my heart and make me cold. And I'm like, okay, well, I know the answer here is to participate, but I do not feel like talking this stupid language. I, I, they weren't going to talk to me in my right. language, in, in English. And if I had avoided and not done anything, I was going to be cold and I was going to, you know, kind of, give them a half-hearted hug on their way out the door. Uh, if I yelled at them, that wasn't going to be powerful. So I started talking the stupid Ishka language. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I'm serious. And I'm like, and I just like leaned all in and just like went full Ishka language that they had made up and they were cracking up. And then I was laughing and uh, man, this was just like 30 minutes ago. Dude, they left the car and I, I like pull over in front of all their friends and roll down the window and say, Ashka, Lovshka, Yushka. They like hide their heads <laughs> in a playful way. Uh, we all felt elevated because I decided to participate. Yeah. And I think, Matt, I think that, that is, first of all, two great stories. And I'm learning because I think that what I'm seeing is when you when you have that pause, you're going straight into what can I do to make sure everybody's in a good mood and n nothing negative 
have come from it. And I think that that's wonderful. One of the things that that I've learned here with, with my son, you got three, you know, you know, three girls and one boy, um, is we, we used to say this, okay, um, Quincy, um, finish your food or or no no dessert. And I said, let's let's change that. Don't take away, give, right? Quincy, finish your food, you get dessert. And being able to apply that to other things in life, and you've done a great job, right? And as you said, leaning into it, it, the bottom line is you want them to not have any any punishment, right? And yelling at the punishment, right? Ignoring the punishment, taking things away the punishment. You want them to have a reward. And that reward for you, with you was them laughing, them running up the steps, laughing, this morning in the car, laughing, feeling embarrassed with their friends, all positive things. And I can guarantee you they're walking to school smiling. Right. Absolutely. You know, this whole idea of mental fitness, this conversation, Colin, has just been freaking phenomenal, man. Thank you for sharing all your wisdom. Yeah, I appreciate that. One thing, one key, a gem, perhaps, that when I coach individuals and they have that, I must do this mentality. I tell them, think back to a situation where it really went the wrong way. And I said, okay, here's my question. And they'll share with me, it went the wrong way. They had, they, they got upset. It was just terrible. I said, did you die? <laughs> and when you ask that question, they'll do this. Uh, actually, okay, I get it. 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 Right? And it, it really gives you perspective because no matter what we went through, and you know, l- luckily, no matter what we went through in life so so far, it did not kill us. I can guarantee we learned something from it. Maybe what we learned was next lawsuit, it won't kill me. Right. The next, the next bad, uh, probable uh, tenant or homeowner, potential homeowner, it won't kill me, and that's the thing to remember. You may have, you may have bruises and bur- uh, broken bones, but you did not die. And just remember that you did not die. And those of you who complain about getting older, the only cure to getting older is dying. So, so embrace getting older. Okay. Oh <laughs> man, that's po- that's powerful. <laughs> that's powerful. Yeah, the resisting to getting older. Like the only cure for that is to die. So, <laughs> right. Literally. <laughs> uh, I love I love both of those. I love both of those rephrases of did you die? No. Okay. Or am I going to die? Is this going to kill me? This, you know, this guy's text message. Right. Am I going right. to die right. regardless of how this turns out? No. No. So I guess it's gonna be all right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe painful, but it'll be okay. Well, uh, Kyle, thank you for sharing this free gift with our audience. Again, it's the five steps to building mental toughness. If you just go to goodmoodshow.com and enter your email, we will send you over this resource. Colin's exercise for you this week is a three-step exercise. He encourages you to, one, be mindful when you get triggered. Two, pause and ask yourself, what is the opportunity? How am I going to respond? And then three, Develop the ability to take the next positive step. And man, if you know someone who could use this message, I think everyone in the world could use this message because we all deal with getting triggered and how to respond. Send them a text. You know, send them out this message in a text and let's brighten up the world together. And Colin, I'm sure there's people that are going to want to get to know more from you and learn from you. How could they get in touch? Yeah, so to learn more from me and get to know me is when we do talk, be present, be vulnerable, be open. We have to be able to connect with no BS. That's the best way for us to really connect. To contact me, um, uh, o- uh, excuse me, Colin Thompson 
at, that's not true. To contact me is, is Coach Colin T. Coach Colin T at OLIGYE.com. Or just go to www.OLIGYE.com and you'll see my information. OLIGYE.com. And I do hope to hear from each and every one of you. It's very powerful when you do build up your mental fitness and you no longer have to worry about whether or not your 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 brain is your mind is your best friend or your worst enemy. Man, thank you for just sharing your wisdom. Like just having this conversation with you, Colin, I feel like amazing. I feel like on top of the world, man. Mental fitness. Yeah, me too. You drop you you drop some good gems today. Okay, oh, back you at some good <laughs> back at you, my man, and uh, and 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 thank you to the listener. Thank you for sharing your time and investing your time here with your presence. As you brighten up your mood, you are lighting up the world. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.